With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Welcome to Inside the Tour. I'm Nina Pantic. And I'm Irina Falcone. And our special guest today is Rod Laver. Who better to have on this episode than the man behind the Laver Cup himself? It's a huge honor to have a name associated with this competition. And I was in Chicago for it, and it was so fun. And an exhibition or tournament, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. I thought it was awesome, and I had a really great time. And, and how was it watching it from, from home in Orlando? I'm not going to lie. It looked like such a fun event i was very very jealous with all your snaps and your instagram posts about it because i would have loved to be there it looked hella fun i mean everybody had a great time it looked like so i hope they continue to have it and i hope they come up with something for the women soon i kind of hope the women get incorporated into it just because i don't know if the women's tour could have the same number of star power i mean offensive or not i kind of feel like having federer and novak and nadal involved is just such a big 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 part of this that's what makes it so cool the women would be cool if maybe there was mixed doubles as part of the labor cup because why not add that kind of chemistry you know like I, I, I like watching mixed doubles and i thought doubles was kind of the most fun part of this and the fact that the format was quick I'm not saying I want to see Grand Slams have deciding tiebreakers. Like, don't don't yell at me. But, but I thought I thought it was just so fun. And and even just as a fan, you knew exactly how much time you were committing. Like, if you're bringing your daughter or you're bringing your mom, like you know, hey, we're gonna be here for four hours and get this much tennis out of it, and it's gonna be so fun and so fast and efficient. I guess is the word. So a lot of people have been asking me, like, oh my gosh, what is Labor Labor Cup? Can you describe it? Like, is it really an exhibition? Is it a tournament? And I think it would probably be a combination, a little bit of Davis Cup, a little bit of Hopman Cup, minus the the women, and uh, a little bit of uh, world team tennis, minus the women. Because yes, like you said, with having names like Roger Federer last year, it was Rafa Nadal, and this year it was Novak. I mean, you really can't beat those names. If you are having female players, for example, the Serena, the Marias of the world, yes, you will have a hell of an event. Whether or not is it if it's that successful as the Labor Cup, I don't know. But it would be fun to have something, whether to be women completely or to have women integrated with the men. I agree. I think I think having women in some part of it would be fun. But it was the brainchild of Roger Federer. And I think whenever he gets behind something, people want to do it. So the reason I think a lot of these big players play is because Roger Federer uh, thought of this whole event. You know, it's something that he wanted to give back to tennis. He wanted to add something to tennis and he wanted to honor Rod Laver. It's really cool because Federer's always been really, really big on the past. He always mentions these past icons as his idols and as his heroes. But I think a lot of big names get forgotten because we move on to the next decade. We move on to the now. And, you know, this is a guy who won two calendar year Grand Slam titles. Hasn't been done since him in 1969 by a male. 
And uh, you'll see in the interview, I ask him if he thinks it's going to happen again. He kind of thinks it's possible. He, th he thought that Novak was pretty close to it. And I think Federer getting him back into the loop of things is cool because you kind of get reminded of what he's done for the sport and you get reminded of this rich tennis history that you maybe wouldn't have seen without Labor Cup. One of my favorite things is when in the interview you asked him, so who do you think is the best player? Because arguably you are one of the best players that there ever lived. And he was 100% adamant about Roger Federer being the best. And uh, I, I just love that they got together. They created something so special. And uh, I think it was a few years ago, they also had a really spectacular charity event. It was right before the Australian uh, Australian Open, and they got together and they uh, they played on Rod Laver Arena. And obviously, it was volley to volley. You know, I don't think that Roger's going to go head to head from the baseline, move Rod around. But uh, yeah, it was pretty spectacular to see how much respect they have for one another. The legends of the game you kind of tend to, to forget the ones from the past and, and Labor Cup is a perfect way to, to have them back together again. I also talked to Rod about how much he hangs out with Roger and it's not much. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't have dinner together every Monday. It's not that kind of thing, but they came together in Chicago for this crazy, busy, busy week. And, you know, you can see Rod is part of this whole thing. He's kind of on the bench all the time. He's on the sidelines. He's part of the trophy presentation. His trophy was melted down to get turned into this giant Labor Cup trophy. I mean, he's so ingrained in it. And it's just, it's it's unique. There's nothing like this in the sport. Yeah, I can't really imagine another uh, event that has been brought up at the moment that's been as successful, especially to remember someone as iconic as Rod Laver. It's not that he's not uh, memorable or that he's been forgotten in the tennis world. It's just exactly like you said, though. People are more concerned of, who is playing well right now. But you always have to remember who brought you up. Like, for Federer, it was Rod. So people always are worried about who's next, who's the future, the next gen, like what's coming after Federer, what's coming after Nadal. But you kind of stop and pause. This tournament, this event, this exhibition, whatever, makes you stop and remember who was in the past, why we're here today, why tennis is so big, why players are making 54000 in the first round of the U.S. Open when, you know, Rod Laver was the first man to make a million his entire career. And, I mean, this guy won two calendar year Grand Slams, and he, you know, he's not bitter that the money's bigger now. He's happy how far tennis has gone, and you'll hear him talk about it. You know, it's, it's, it's insane how much the sport has evolved, and you can really see it with Rod Laver, and you can really see it with Laver Cup because it was an instant success. I mean, these guys came together, and they made it happen. And, and part of it was the, the format, which is unique because it's a ten, deciding tiebreaker of the third set, and as the days progress, the first day, the matches are worth one point. On Saturday, they're worth two. And on Sunday, they're worth three, which makes the suspense kind of insane because a comeback is possible until the very last minute, basically, which makes it different than any other sport, sporting event in tennis, for sure. And I think it's been back-to-back -back years that there has been a comeback. I think Team World was pretty behind on both times. And they came back, tied it up, made it extremely fun and Everybody that was watching, they were on the edge of their seats. They did not know what was going to happen. And uh, I did see um, Kevin Anderson's wife. She did put out a tweet saying that there was some controversy, saying that players weren't trying hard or that they were tanking. They were giving the match away. That was not the case. If you were watching, you knew that all these guys were there to win. I mean, you see Federer, you see Zverev. They're watching matches because from the from the locker room, they're warming up because they know they're about to play. This was an EXO. I remember one time I played an exhibition with uh, John uh, Isner, 
And this was years ago. And I remember asking him, I'm like, oh, so do you want to warm up a little bit, you know, before the EXO? And he's like, no, I'm okay. This is an exhibition where we'll be okay. And I just remember that. And for them, I mean, this was a competition. This was not an exhibition match by no means. I think part of it is wanting to perform well for the legends that are sitting on si- on the sideline, including Laver, but also Federer and Djokovic and your teammates. You want to perform well for them. I got there early, so I got there on the Tuesday, and the event didn't start till Friday. And when you're at the United Center that early, the players are putting in a lot of practice the whole day from 8 a.m. until 8 p.m. There's people coming in and practicing singles, doubles, with each other on the same team, with people on the other team. I mean, it was just kind of this organized fanfare of practices they were putting in and I mean around the clock it was not casual they weren't just hanging out and having dinner together and then going on the court hitting some balls around once the matches started on Friday they were fully dedicated like as if they're warming up and getting ready for a grand slam I think yeah they're laid back things were a lot more fun I mean you had the players walking around the hallways more casually they were coming around in the media room more casually everything was kind of a bit more fun and relaxed but once they got on court, they were so invested. And as someone that's played college tennis, both of us have, it's really, really actually exhausting to sit side court or sit the sidelines and watch these matches. I mean, most of the players sat in those, they were plush leather couches. But they sat there the whole time. They were on the court set and they were fully engaged all day. I mean, from 1 p.m. until midnight, it's really tiring. And like, you're really physically invested and celebrations and choreographed skits or not, like you're fully invested and you're 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 tense and you're excited and you're tired i think something to note is that this week was not just a relaxing vacation week for the players that for example francis tfo kyle edmund they only played one match i believe it was still a training block for them and who better to be practicing with top other top players i mean can you get a better training week than being able to practice with Novak, Roger, Kevin, John? I mean, these are big time players. And to be able to go in and know, hey, even though I may just play one match this week and I may lose the option to play a tournament somewhere else, I'm going to be able to have an amazing practice week with some of the best players in the world right now. And it's an amazing ex- experience for them, a memorable week. They're never going to forget it. Kyle Edmund, yeah, he played one match, but he said, I'm never going to forget this. This has given me so much for my career and so much for even just like a portfolio of memories to look back on, like a week he spent on the bench alongside the greatest players of the game and one of the biggest living legends of the sport, Rod Laver, you know, something that he was there and he's a part of. And you can say that forever, which is which is something unique. And I mean, playing against better in a Grand Slam is obviously amazing as well, but I think being on the same team with him is something that, you know, couldn't have happened without Labor Cup. It's funny you say that because being on the same team as Roger Federer, I don't think that you really want anybody else on your team if you can. Um, and I was looking at my Twitter feed and obviously Labor Cup was everywhere. And they were talking about some of the things that Roger was telling Zverev in the very last match. And honestly, I mean, if, if he were to quit tomorrow, he would kill it as a coach right now because what he was saying to him, I was getting goosebumps because of how good, like I was inspired for Zverev. I was like, I want to go and play right now because of what Roger Federer just told me to do in between the changeover because he was just so awesome. I was so fired up for him. And Roger was so relaxed. You know, some of the things he was saying, he's like, you know, don't, the, the crowd wants to see you upset. Don't give him that, you know, just have to stay focused, obviously. Stay focused is one of the most generic things you can say, but coming from Roger Federer, you're probably going to be a little more focused than if it were just your good old coach that says that to you all the time. 
I mean, who better to pump you up than Roger Federer as as your teammate? It's I mean, just watching moments like that, it just adds something so new to what we usually we're used to seeing. It's it's different. And Zverev, um, he clinched the win, right, a deciding tiebreak, and managed to seal the deal for Team Europe, which is kind of a passing of the guard because last year it was Roger Federer sealing the deal, deciding tiebreak against Nick Kyrgios. So just to see their relationship and their camaraderie evolve, and then obviously the second they all win, they all are screaming and jumping. And I mean, you wouldn't get that excited about an exhibition. You wouldn't do that. And then going in the locker room and bottles of champagne everywhere. Some of them are underage, but you know what? No judgment. <laughs> and then some of the team world players were in the locker room with them, celebrating with them. And they per- for sure all went out together that night. I mean, no doubt about it. So that maybe that makes it a bit more exhibition because you're hanging out with your opponents. But why not? I mean, you're all putting on a show. 100,000, nearly 100,000 people were in attendance across the whole weekend, about 20,000 per session. That's a success for the sport, no matter what you call this, no matter how much money each player earned. I know there's a lot of money involved in this thing. We all know that. But to be part of something so fun, if I was a player, I would be pumped up to get the call. And Tiafo is a perfect example because he was in Croatia the Sunday before, lost fifth at Marathon to Borna Cioric. And, you know, he probably was bummed out. He gets a call for, for Team World, puts on that red jacket right away. So it's, it's one of those things where, like, he put in that commitment. He was willing to fly from Europe to Chicago back to Asia. I mean, that's dedication at its finest. I think, yeah, I mean, it's a one in a lifetime opportunity, not only to be able to compete with the people that he is, that are on his team, but to be able to be on the same environment with the Novaks, the Rogers. I mean, they really are some of the greatest of all time. I know that Roger is the greatest of all time, uh, but you know, Novaks, He's inching up there, you know, Rafa's inching up there. But yes, if you just go by number of slams, Roger is the greatest. To all the people listening, Roger is my favorite. So, you know, I don't need the haterade. The haterade. Absolutely. Uh, Roger Federer is the greatest of all time, yes. But we have another goat on this podcast episode today. It's Rod Laver, the man, the reason behind the Laver Cup. And it was an honor to talk to him. He, he's considered the greatest of all time because of the calendar year slams, obviously, but he was part of a different era. Um, he thinks Federer is the greatest. Federer thinks he's the greatest. They got a little thing going on. Um, but you'll hear from him. He sat down with me for about 10 minutes or so during a very busy day, and it was an honor to talk to him. A living legend. I read his book. Everyone should as well. It's an autobiography, the Rod Laver autobiography. Let's hear from Rod Laver. Just sitting here with Rod Laver for me is really cool because I'm a really big fan. I uh, read your book, and for me... The most interesting thing was the end, and you're standing on Rod Laver Arena, and you're saying that you're so happy and fulfilled with your life, and how cool is it to have an arena named after you and a tournament named after you, and your name is everywhere. <laughs> I know it. It is. It's a, uh, it's a huge honor to have a name associated with this competition. You know, it, I think it's, it, it's, it's a different type of competition, which, you know, which is unique you know, in, in team play. And I think, uh, you know, the way the scoring system works, you know, it'll it'll be, yeah, I think it'll be a surprise to all the all the the uh, audience. When they came to you, you know, their um, when the first idea came for the Lever Cup, what was your reaction? Yeah, no, I, I well, I was totally surprised that uh, I know Roger Federer was involved in, you know, trying to take back, you know, open tennis has been here for 50 years, but before that, amateur tennis was had some huge names involved and he thought that you can't really go forgetting that part of the the world of tennis and so you know hence they they put my name on it because of 
my record looking looking backwards yeah, and I thought that for me that was a, a great thrill to be able to be with Roger and enjoy his life and, 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 and see what he's done with his career. There's a lot of players that people kind of have forgotten about, um, not you, but you know, um, different names that people forget from the open air from the, when things first began. I mean, you weren't making these paychecks; they're making. You know, you have 200 grant titles to your name, and, and people kind of move on. And there's Twitter <laughs> and social media and fame and Instagram, and now you know, it's it's unfair to forget these people that started things, right? So, yeah. No, that, well, you know, who I competed against was was Hode, Rosewall, you know, Sedgman. And then when you go back into Newcomb and Roach and Emerson and Stolly, you know, Arthur Ashe, you know, Stan Smith, all the way down the line, it was it was a, you know, it, it was a great competition back then, but now it's just that much. It's moved moved on up a notch or two. And when people mention greatest of all time and Roger Federer's name come up, but arguably you are easily one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. What's your take on this debate? I, my my thought is that you know Roger Federer is, is 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 the best player in the world, and yeah, I I've had yes I've had a good career, but you know I don't think it it, it matches up with anything that I've done with, with what Roger has accomplished. Do you think anyone is going to be able to win a calendar year Grand Slam again? I think it's possible. Uh, Jokovic certainly was defending champion of all four, but he started. You know, it, it has to be. You start it on on the the Australian, which is in January, and you go to the French, Wimbledon, and the U.S. And so it's a, it's a, like a ten month circuit. And yeah, there's a few things that you know, get involved. You know, not not purely from a tennis point. How about an injury top thicknesses? Any anything that can say stop you from getting to, to that last match. And, and I think, you know, I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great for the game that pub, the, uh, you know, the, the Grand Slam, you know, gets recognition. And maybe, maybe at some time they may be thinking, you know, how well have you done during the year at the Grand Slams? And maybe you get, you get some point systems that, that could, could come out. And so, yeah, you, it, it, it's promoting the, yes, promoting the Grand Slam. Or the the unique situation of a Grand Slam, and and so I you know I I was thrilled that I played some of my best tennis. And Federer often names you as one of his inspirations, one of his idols. But who was yours when you were playing and when you were growing up and coming up? Who did you? Yeah, well I you know I was I was honored of uh, knowing uh, Lou Hode, who he was you know a great player right along with uh, Ken Rosewall, and so Lou was my idol. And uh, I thought, you know, it was. I liked the way he played the game. I liked just the mere fact, you know, Lou, you know, was 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 a player that everybody liked. And so, and of course, I, I liked him too. But everyone now likes Roger, so it's it, there's <laughs> there's similarities I think with the past and the present. And Federer is so involved in in paying tribute to his idols who don't play anymore. And and one of you, one of them is you. What's your guys' relationship like? No, no, I, yeah, Roger and I, we we don't see a whole lot of each other, but when when we are here, you know, no, I don't think, I don't try and get too involved with, you know, any of the players when when the, in this competition, because it, you know it's highly competitive, and I'm really not taking sides. You know, I think it's 
yes, uh, you know, Curios is an Australian, and 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 I've played in all these these cities, you know, the, for many years. You mentioned Curios. Have, have, do you guys talk a lot, or do you have any opinions on, on him, or advice for him, or any? No, but I think the last last year when he played, uh, you know, at the Labor Cup, you know, he he played in in the doubles. He had, had a great match against Federer, and so. You know, he 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 just was so involved with with the competition and the barracking for your part, you know, one of your mates out there on the court. So, you know, I, I think it it did wonders for his attitude to the game of tennis when he saw you know the way the guy was the, the Labor Cup was being played, and he you know I think everybody you know was thrilled. That they all played some of their best tennis that they played all year. Do you have any? If you take me back just for one second to 1969, do you have any significant memories you remember from any of your four Grand Slams, or is there a, a favorite moment you have, or, or all four of them? <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 there's always something special about you know uh, you know the first one in Australia. You know, I I, I told my wife I said I'm, you know I'd like I'd like to enter. All these four tournaments again, and uh, as he said, go ahead. And so I, when I got when I got down to Australia, she called and she said she was pregnant. So that was a, that was in January. And so you, I know very well that nine months later it's the final of the U.S. Open. And so you know that that's one niche. But then then I'm you know I'm I'm out there playing uh, John Newcomb. In the final of the, the the U.S. I mean at the Wimbledon, and so you know there's a lot of things that and a niche before that I'm playing against Ken Rosewall at uh, at the French, and then I'm also there in Australia, you know I'm playing another Australian at the U.S. Open and Tony Roach. So you know I guess they were all Australians that I got caught up with. Was the U.S. Open when you were winning that fourth Grand Slam of the year? Was there a certain different level of feeling? Like you, you knew you were almost there. Like you're almost there doing it again, but this time in the open air. Was there a different pressure? Yeah, I, I, for some reason, you know that that sort of pressure, you know, really doesn't get overpowering. Yeah, yes, I think you 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 play some of your best tennis under pressure because you know that's the one thing that my game seemed to play is. But you're playing a game that is, you know, you're heading somewhere. And I do remember one of the situations that at the U.S. Open was that it rained for about three days, and so the matches were, well, the final was delayed a couple of days. And and I know that at one time they they had a helicopter hovering over the the court because. It is grass, of course, you, as you know, and so, you know that that I don't know whether it 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 was a blessing or not because I think they just put more water more water out. And so, but it uh, you know the, all those competition sides of things, you know the comp, you know I, uh, Tony Roach, you know he he you know was a left-hander and always gave me trouble. So I, when I when I got out there, I uh, I Asked the referee, you know, could I could I wear spikes if I can't stand up? And they said, give it, you're at, at 
you, this is the last match, so do whatever you want. And so, you know, that, those sort of things creep into, you know, your, your category of, you know, how, how well can you play under that sort of pressure? And, and I guess I was successful. <laughs> Very successful. Well, thank you, Rod Laver, for your time. I really appreciate it. I know it's a crazy day, and I really appreciate it. <laughs> okay, you're welcome. I have to say, it is pretty darn cool that you got to interview Rod Laver. I mean, not only is there an arena named after him, not only was there a tournament just being held, but he's a legend. You got to interview Rod Laver, spend some time with him. I think that's pretty freaking cool. It is really cool. It was really cool. And it was, you know, even when you're interviewing Federer and Djokovic and, you know, any, any of these players, especially in this environment in Chicago, they were just so much more present, I think. Like, when you're in a tournament, they rush in and rush out. I think, I feel like when this situation, they kind of want to sit down a little bit more, talk a little bit more. And you don't usually get a chance to interview someone like Rod Laver when you go to different tournaments, obviously, because... You know, he's not around, so it, it was an honor, and it was, you know, a chance that I had, and I took it, and I'm, I'm really glad I did, and I really hope that he's around for a lot, many more years. I hope that, and I hope the Labor Cup is around for many, many more years. I agree. Yeah, next year it's going to be in Geneva, so we'll see what happens, and uh, next week we'll hear from another Labor Cup member, Kevin Anderson, who talks a little bit more about college, and this week was Rod Laver. Um, I've been Nina Pantic. This has been the Inside the Tour podcast with Tennis.com. And I'm Irina Falcone. Thanks for listening and tune in next week. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.